Gary Harper. How's it going, baby? It's going very well. (laughs) Good to have you here. So we are at WealthCon 2023 in Hollywood, California, backstage. Gary's about to speak later today and tomorrow, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, wanted to have you on because obviously you are our coach. Ryan and I look up to you as a mentor and a and a coach. And I think it's going to be one of the most information packed podcasts I've ever done. Cool. All right. So I'm excited about it. Let's bring some value. Let's bring some value. So let's get straight to it. So yeah. I want to talk to you about scaling a business because I right. think most people that follow us are in the hustle stage where it's just them making sales. They're doing the admin. They're doing the cold calls. Maybe they have one cold caller, but that's about it. Right. So how does someone transition from a one man show to actually building out a business? So business, when that switch happens, you go from that grind stage, which we talk about yeah, to that self-employment into like actual business ownership. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make as entrepreneurs is if we get a great product that makes a lot of money and we automatically assume this is a scalable business. Yeah. And I'll tell you that one of the things that holds back entrepreneurs from scaling properly is themselves. Yeah, I believe that 100%. They, they become a single point of failure in their own company. You know, we talk about single points of failure, whether it's in process or people, but I don't think anybody takes time to actually look inward to see if they are that person. That's so deep that I feel like 99% of people won't even get it because they never, I've talked to entrepreneurs all day and I'll say, Hey dude, like, why don't you do this? And they're like, Oh, I'm not ready. And I'm like, well, you're actually hurting your business because you're not willing to make the decision that needs to be made. Yeah. You know, every business grows to what we call the hundred percent. It's called business maturity. Yeah. And here's the thing. When you are a single point of failure in your own business. Yeah. You cap the 100% to your 100%. Yeah. And here's the thing. A business isn't created to grow to your 100%. A business is created to grow to its full potential. Okay. And a lot of times people's potential is much less than a business's potential. Let's give an example. Okay. Walt, we're in California. Yeah. Not too far from Disneyland. Yep. Walt Disneyland or Walt Disney built Disneyland here in California. Mm -hmm. It's pretty Average size park in today's standards, to be truthfully honest with you. If you compare it to like a Six Flags or something like that, Mm -hmm. it's two parks. Yeah. It's about average size. Yeah. Just there this past Sunday. However, Saturday I was in Disney World. Mm -hmm. You know, Disney did not build Disney World. Who built it? His brother, Roy. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. Walt Disney passed away Mm -hmm. before Walt Disney World was ever created. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because here's the thing, like... He created a business with a vision that was superseding of him. And even past his death date, that business has continued to build and grow yeah. to its 100%, mm-hmm. not Walt Disney's 100%. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. And so a lot of times we don't realize that when a business is growing, that we typically are the reason why we cap its growth. Yeah. Because we do a lot of things. One is we don't lead ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like we're terrible leaders of ourselves. That's true. You know, I've worked, I mean, I'm not, I'm not immune to that. Like any one of us, leadership yeah. is like a muscle. You have to constantly work it out mm-hmm. and exercise it to be great at it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do that and it doesn't start with you first, we default to management. Yep. So right? that's the difference between management and leadership. Leadership's about getting things done through other people. It's about, it's about identifying your strengths and delegating your weakness. Okay. Right. It's about 
helping lift other people to get to your, get to where you want to be. And, uh, and it's not, you know, it's one thing that people think about leadership is they think, you know, it's about, it's about you and it's not about you. It's about why you do what you do. It's about yeah. the purpose for why you do it. Yeah. Management is about driving results. I always say leaders love people. Managers love process. Okay. Right. Okay. And he's like, well, I don't love the process. Well, to some degree you do, if you're the one doing the process every single day. Yeah. If you're the one going on the appointments, if you're the one getting the results, then you love the process. Yeah. You love the process of driving results. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And doing those results where leaders love that vision. They love people yeah. that can fulfill that vision. Mm -hmm. They love the culture that creates that, that, that lives within the vision. Yeah. You know, um, and leaders love that potential of where we're going Yeah. and how to rally the right people to get there, inspire them to get there. They love inspiration. Yeah. Where managers live in the day to day. They live in the results. They live in the process. They live in those, those things that create daily outcomes. Um, I think you need both Yeah. in business. I don't, I don't think you can just be a leader by the way, in a good business, successful business. I think you have to have a leader and a manager. And you could be listening to this today and go, well, I'm, I feel like I'm great at the leadership side, but I suck at the management side or vice versa. I'm great at management, but I suck at the leadership. And here's the thing. You don't have to be the answer to both sides of that, but you need to have provide your company with the answer to both sides of that. Yeah. Right. When you have the ability to lead and manage, you influence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Like if you want to influence your business to success, so it's hundred percent, you have to have both components. Yeah. We typically start off in this grinding phase of managing day to day. And we got to get to the point of leading yeah. the day-to-day -day versus managing. <clears throat> Is there an exercise or some sort of reminder or advice that you could give a entrepreneur to a set of looking external, look internal? Yeah, absolutely. There is a, a leadership versus management exercise that I have okay. at Sharper that we assess every leader and I do it. We call it the leadership process. And we go through and like, look at these areas every single quarter mm -hmm. and we rate ourselves. And I, I ask, really ask you to do a 360 review of it. Yeah. Rate yourself. You're going to have one perspective. How someone you care about, you love that is not in your business also rate you spouse, you know, mm -hmm. a sibling, yeah. a parent, and then have your people in your business rate you. Okay. Because here's a reason I, I do that. Other people's perception is your reality. That's true. Ooh, that was a gem right there. That's what it turns Other down people's to. People's perceptions are your reality. Yeah, it's what it is. Dang, whether I, you like it or not, it's yeah. your reality. So my father-in-law told me one time. Um, we were. Uh, I don't. I don't know what what it came up, how it came up, but my. I was talking to my father-in-law. He was like, you know, if a man is really tough on his son, and the 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 dad that's being tough on his son thinks that he's just giving his son tough tough love tough love yeah but the son sees it as my father is abusive yeah who's right so for the dad yeah i don't think there's a right or wrong answer i think for the dad he's abusive exactly that's yeah. what i'm saying because it doesn't the, matter what the dad thinks that he's doing right it just matters how the son is taking that information it. yes because if you're a good leader then you want to lead based on how they need to be led yeah it's not a one size fits all for everybody in life. You have to figure out how to lead the people. I call it management by strengths. You look at the strengths of a person and you manage that person based on those strengths. My son, for example, is different than my daughter. Yeah. They're both 23, 21, or 22 now. My son just turned 22. They're both C-level people in our organization. Okay. 
But leading them is completely different. My son, for example, I have to lead with problem solving, allowing him to solve problems. Uh -huh. I have to lead with him being interactive with people and, and managing that. My daughter on the other side, she needs that structure. She wants to be told that she's doing a great job. Yeah. She wants to be encouraged. My son's yeah. like, eh, I don't need to be encouraged that way. Yeah. Right? So different ways in which to lead. I remember coming to Vegas a couple of years ago. We had an event. And uh, my wife right here on the phone, and she's like talking to my son. And she goes, fine, Jake, I'll get it done. She has no phone. Yeah. Visibly distressed. Uh -huh. So I look at her, I'm like, what's up? She's mm -hmm. like, your boy. Like, he's always my boy, by the way. <laughs> what he ain't doing what she wants, right? Yeah. And I look at her, I'm like, what happened? She's like, I need a hot water heater put in the house, in a house of ours. Mm -hmm. And it, he won't go get it. And I need him to go get it because they have a, the, the mm -hmm. technician coming in to install it. Yeah. And I said, all right, let me talk to him. <laughs> so she's like, fine, he doesn't have time. He claims, blah, blah. So I jump on the phone with like, hey, what's up, buddy? He says, hey, what's going on? I said, you excited about coming to Vegas for the event tonight? Because we were already there. He says, yeah, my flight's at like one o'clock and I'm getting packed. It's like nine o'clock in the morning. And I said, hey, good news and bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? She says, yeah, I like good news. Dad, I said, well, good news is you got a lot of free time today. Bad news is your flight was canceled. He's like, what do you mean? Now, Jacob, looking at his predictive index, yeah. which is a PI, a behavioral assessment that we use, uh -huh. which is a great management and leadership tool to leading people, right? Mm -hmm. For example... That dad knew what that son wanted to be led by. He wouldn't feel like he was manipulating or being abusive to him if he led him the proper way, based on yeah. the way he wants to be led. Yeah. So I turned to Jake. Jacob's a high A, which is an agnostic, problem-solving person. Very high. I, he's also a high B, which means he loves being around people. Yeah. I'm about to take away the event, attending the event, which is a high B from him. Uh, right? Yeah. So he immediately goes, why is my flight canceled? Yeah. And I hear him rustling on his phone. He looks down. He goes... Dad, my flight's still on time. Yeah. I said, I understand your flight's on time, but your flight's canceled. He says, why would you do that? Yeah. I said, because it sounds like you need more time to get that hot water heater today. You can come tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> and he goes, well, that's not fair. I said, here's the thing. Let's stop. This is now your problem. Yeah. Which is a high A. He wants to solve problems. Yeah. I said, buddy, I'll give you a half hour, 45 minutes. If you can figure out a way to solve this problem. And nobody ever said you had to go get the hot water heater. Yeah. Just figure out. Then get out. You can get on the plane. Yeah. I have no clue, honestly, till today of how he got the hot water heater. I should probably ask, but he got the hot water heater in about 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I think he actually paid a friend to go get it. Yeah. But again, I empowered him with the way he wants to be led. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he calls me like 30 minutes later and he's like, bro, do want to let you know it's cared for. I'm good. So I'm on the flight. I'm on my way. Okay. Like, like good. let's have fun tonight. Like, yeah. sounds good, bro. Yeah. Like, he, he didn't feel upset. Yeah. Right? I was excited about it for him. I wanted him to come. All that to say is you have to lead people mm -hmm. by their strengths. Yeah. Right? How do you find someone's strength? So multiple ways. First of all, a honest conversation one-on-one -on -one with somebody goes a long way. Okay. And asking questions. I think, well, the best leader asks great questions. Okay. I've always led my kids that way. My yeah. son one time came to me and he's like, hey, dad, I'm going to go out with his friends this Friday night. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, we're going to go to this abandoned water park. I'm like, the fact that he was open enough to tell me that's... You were happy, but <laughs> I was like, wow, well, okay. Either really ignorant or really happy. That, yeah. You know, he trusts me. So he's like, I'm going to go to this abandoned water park. I said to him, I said, hey, Jake, uh, do you think that's the right thing to do? Yeah. He got like, well, I don't, I don't think we're going to get in trouble or anything. Like, it's been abandoned for 10 years. I'm like, well, Jake, it is, a, it is a actually a, no, tr it's trespassing to go there. You know that, right? Another question. Yeah. He says, I mean, I guess. I said, Jake, now let me ask you this. If you went to this abandoned water park and say the cops get called and they show up, 
are you okay with being arrested? Yeah. He was like, well, no, I don't want to be arrested. Anyway, the whole point being, I led him with questions yeah. to where he actually came back around my Friday night. I left it open-ended. He wanted to go, he was going to go. He's yeah. going to also be responsible for the consequences of his actions. Yeah. Everything in me as a leader, as a dad, wanted to be like, no, you ain't going. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I had to lead him. And I led him the right way with the right questions that drove to pain points for him that he, yeah. in return, decided, I'm not going to go. You know what I've learned also? Being a leader is hard. Like, it sounds great. It sounds like you're the leader. Everyone follows you. you you're leading the way. But yeah. then, like, it's easy when you have, like, the, the first layer of people around you where you hired them, you saw them grow to the top, and, you know, they trust you. Um, they were a culture fit and that's why they came in. And then it's completely different than hiring like an expert that maybe your guys's culture isn't similar, yeah. but maybe they really know marketing or PPC or whatever it is that you need. They have that skill set. Yeah. So you're hiring based off a skill set more than like just culture. Yeah. And you know what gets even harder is this. People that struggle with leadership at a small level, uh -huh. the truth is you start with leading you, then you lead a lot of employees. Yeah. A lot of times in a small business, you're leading employees. Yes. But as your business grows, if you don't get good at this, you have to lead managers. Yes. And you're going to struggle even more then. Yeah. You know when it gets the hardest? When? It's when you have to lead leaders. Yes. When you get to a point of an organization or corporation where you're not leading employees anymore. Yeah. You're not leading managers anymore. You're leading leaders. Yes. You better be the best doggone leader or they won't follow you. Yeah, 100%. And you want to grow a business and scale a business properly, you yeah. need who? You need the how, but mm -hmm. you need the who first. Mm -hmm. And when you have the who and they become the right people and you're the wrong person to lead them, yeah, your business will crumble. Mm. I don't know how many businesses now, over 1,500 companies I've coached, Brian, and there's people that we get a business and it's growing mm -hmm. and it's running past that leader. And that leader will sabotage that company and slow it down. Yeah. Because one, they're A, aren't willing to let go. Yeah. B, they're not willing to hire leaders to lead. And when they do hire them, they don't empower them. And yeah. great people, great leaders that don't feel empowered don't stay. Yeah. I think so. <clears throat> so much to unpack. It's hard to, it's hard to get it all at once. So let's just say for me, right? Yeah. I grew up in a, in a, in a, I would say a hostile environment. Okay. Use that word right. So I was always talked down to, you know, my situation, the people taking care of me were abrasive and all that stuff. And then I noticed that that was kind of like my leadership style, not all the time, but when stress would come up. I would be like straight to the point between the eyes, like, Hey, do this now. Like, that's it. Where, like you said, you got to ask questions and you got to play to people's strengths. So yeah, it's, it's a lot. Well, it's a mindset, right? When we uh -huh. lead a big part of leadership is not just like going to a class and learning techniques. Yeah. It's a mindset adjustment that has to happen in order uh -huh. to lead properly. And what a lot of times what happens to us as leaders, and when we start to graduate into leadership, if you will, is we have unconscious programming yeah. that takes hold. Yep. We default back to it. We don't even know subconsciously we're doing it. Yep. We don't even know a lot of times we are doing it, which is why that assessment that I have, mm -hmm. 
of getting that assessment from multiple people, getting their perspective, yep. gives you a true reflection of what unconscious program you're allowing to be displayed. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important as a, as a leader that you take time to do that assessment, but also you start you start documenting and addressing the areas in which you have this programming. Yeah, my wife uh, Susan has been going for the last year to a gentleman named Patrick Pre Prequor, okay. and Patrick has been able to help her unpack a lot of that stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like a dedicated mindset coach. Okay, that helps you like unravel that and see where that unconscious program yeah. is showing up. Yeah, I think it's transformed her as a leader. I think you know who helped me. Yeah, uh, Keith. Keith. I think you referred me yeah. to him. Um, we we talked a lot for a few couple months, and um, so he helped me a lot with just like different techniques of like, hey, give like five compliments to one. Um, I guess like a negative feedback. Yeah. Um, where I would do the opposite. Like every time I listen to a sales call, I would say, hey, Gary, you're doing this wrong. Yeah. You need to improve here. Yep. You know, that's it. And then yep. next next training, hey, Gary, I listened to your call. You're doing this a little bit wrong. You know, we need to fix it. Instead of like looking at what Gary's doing right and yep. pointing those out so he understands to keep doing them, I would always go for what, what they doing did wrong. wrong. Sure. Exactly. Yeah, you can reinforce what somebody's done wrong and help them through it with proper questions. Yes. Right? Without coming across as demanding and yes. derogatory. You should reinforce all the times with positive statements. Mm -hmm. um, and be careful with negative comments being statements. Mm -hmm. You know, Keith, by the way, let me just say, before I come back to that thought, Keith's phenomenal. He's my, my, my leadership coach. Okay. So he's been coaching me for over 20 years as a leader. Totally long. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of what I know and learn as a great leader comes from him. Uh, Keith works for Sharper and, uh, we have a product called Driven and that's okay. his company that we've subcontracted to. But, um, Keith does that leadership training for us. Phenomenal, phenomenal leadership yeah. coach. Yeah. He's a, a, a different approach. It comes from a very humble confidence approach. I know. I very know. good. Yeah. Like you think about you know, somebody that has confidence and ability to be humble. It takes a lot of good yeah. leadership to do that. Yeah. And so I think it's really important that we do that. Uh, Keith's done a phenomenal job with, with helping people. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, going back to my comment earlier, you know, I think it's really important for us as leaders to exercise this muscle, work on it continually, develop ourselves in that area, yeah, and uh, and be careful of that unconscious programming that we're yeah. we're we've got ingrained in us. Yeah, be aware of it, and then work to correct it. Yeah, you know, what did you have? That. What's that? What did you did you have any unconscious programming that you had to work through? For me, so I grew up in the military. Uh, my dad was a military for twenty one years. So, you know, you're, you're do as you're told. Yeah. You don't question authority. Mm -hmm. You don't think outside the box. Mm -hmm. Um, military and even corporate America breeds great management. Mm -hmm. It doesn't breed great leaders. As many of those programs that are out there on leadership that come from a military perspective. Mm -hmm. I think when you reach certain levels of like Navy SEAL and Ranger and things like that is when they have to start implementing that. But outside of that, like it's do what you're told. Mm -hmm. Right. And don't have an opinion. And so I, that was the unconscious program I had to come up with. Honestly, I, 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 knew this, uh, I noticed that at a very young age. Um, I got kicked out of school in ninth grade. Okay. So I didn't make it past ninth grade. I yeah. actually got my GED in 10th grade. Okay. And it was because of the rebellious spirit of like not wanting to be told and conform. Yeah. I've always had the swim upstream type mindset. Yeah. And so I think I recognized at a pretty young age that this was unconscious programming that I didn't want to have. Yeah. Um, I think that's one. Um, I think the rest of them were just brewed into me um, at a uh, in corporate America. I had a phenomenal parents, man. I had a I had an amazing dad. 
my dad was a great leader. And, uh, and so, but even still, you know, the, the environment that I was in, that's probably why I had noticed it. Cause I'm like the way my dad leads me yeah. and the way everybody else in the military regime will tries to look, conform me yeah. two different styles. Yeah. You know? So I think that's why I what broke that mindset up for me at a young age. Got it. Okay. So I want to ask another deep question. Okay. So I noticed that a lot of entrepreneurs, when they first start, they want to make a lot of money. Yeah. And then they start wholesaling, flipping, or whatever the business is. They start making a lot of money. But then what slows them down is they don't have a lot of fulfillment. You know, they're just trying to keep the lights on at first. And then once they have an extra 10 to 100K in the bank, they start self sabotaging and not working as hard and they feel lost and they feel unfulfilled. Yeah. What advice would you give someone that's in that position? Find your purpose. Okay. They're not waking up every day doing it for purpose. They're waking up every day to make money. Yeah. Money, money to a degree is a byproduct of fulfilling purpose. Like what's your purpose? Like, why do you get up every day? What are you trying to do? Yeah. I see it too, man. Like me and Brandon were just talking last night that we went into an office to work with a client. And as soon as we walked in, this client's been working with us for two years and it's been doing phenomenal. Um, but we walked in and one of the main people in the organization's like, yeah, I just got back from Brazil for the last nine weeks. And we're like, well, this guy is like one of the key players here for like driving revenue. Yeah. So immediately we thought they're not going to sell any houses this quarter. <laughs> and they're like, because of their cash conversion cycle, they were like still living in the dream of what they had already brought in. But they were, we like had to immediately tell them like, you're going to feel this 90 days days from now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when we walked through the vision, we walked through the strategy for the quarter, like one of the employees went, I feel sick to my stomach. And I'm like, yeah, because we realized they were probably going to have two contracts this quarter. Uh, Right. And here's why it's because at the end of the day, like when you just chase the money and you're not chasing the passion, the purpose, you're going to struggle. Yeah. Right. And so, like, this guy's passion, his purpose is to spend more time with his family. Okay. And so, when they step away from the business and they don't do a good job leading the company and building the right resources and inspiration and the things, the right passion for the company, there's nobody to step in for them. Right? Yeah. So, let's, you know, figure out what that purpose is and then start driving that purpose and that get to that purpose that includes have to hire the right people, have the right processes in place and start building the business properly. That's where the focus should be. And we should never forfeit responsibility for pleasure. What does that mean? Go don't, don't go chasing a ninety day or nine week vacation. Yeah. When you have responsibility fulfilled to you and your your family and your company. Yeah. Like if you want to go on vacation for nine weeks, you want to sit on the beach for ten days, whatever. Great, let's do it. But yeah. make sure your responsibilities are taken Ever. care of. Yeah. You know, we think just because we come entrepreneurs and we don't have somebody hanging over us as a leader or a manager holding us accountable to results yeah. that, well, I can do this as my company. Yeah. Oh, you still have responsibility. Yeah. You still have responsibility to your business. Mm-hmm. You have responsibility to your family. You have responsibility to your employees. Yeah. Right? So you do have somebody you're accountable to. Yeah. Right? And at the end of the day, you should be ashamed mm-hmm. to abandon that yeah. to take chase of pleasure. Yeah. You know, for, for 21 years. I did not chase after things I wanted in life mm-hmm. because I had a responsibility. I had a responsibility to my kids. I had a responsibility to my wife. I had a yeah. responsibility to my, my, my organizations I was leading, mm-hmm. right? 
But when I got to a point where I earned the right, I call it ETR, earn the right to chase your passion. Yeah. Earn the right to start that new business. Earn the right to go sit on the beach. Earn the right to take nine days off, 12 days off, 15 days off as an yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah. Like nobody, when you sign up to be an entrepreneur, nobody handles you, you know, 15 days of sick time. Yeah. Nobody handles you three weeks of vacation. Yeah. You sign up for being an entrepreneur, you're signing up for the responsibility of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Earn it. Earn the right to take the vacation. Earn the right to chase your passion. But you do that based on your purpose. Mm -hmm. But people don't ever do that. They don't ever push to building a business mm -hmm. because they don't know why they're doing it in the first place. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So at some point, they lose that fire. They lose yeah. that passion to want to just do a deal yeah. just to make money. Been there, done that. It's not about the deal. It's not about the money. It's about why you're doing it and what you're pushing towards. Okay. So your purpose, I think I had this confused. So your purpose could not be the actual business. Because I thought, so for me, because wealthy investor or future flipper, I really like helping people. Yeah. So I thought, okay, that is my purpose. But my purpose is helping people. Yeah. But let's just say for someone who's whole, a wholesaler and they do not like wholesaling. Yeah. I was I would always get confused on like how how is this person gonna find purpose like wholesaling houses, which yeah. is very unfulfilling. Sure. But their purpose could be outside of the business. So that was me. Yeah. Two thousand eleven, me and my brother in law yoked up and we started fixing flipping houses, buying holding, wholesaling, mm -hmm. all that. We've been holding houses since two thousand four together, had a property management company together. My dad ran for us and actually ended up giving my dad as a present for retirement gift was that company. But fast forward like we bought and sold as a team over 300 houses a year. Yeah. Okay. I hated it. <laughs> I hate flipping houses. I absolutely hated it. I, hate I hated wholesaling. I hated the I whole, hate wholesaling. You know, I actually wholesaled a guy, uh, a guy house <laughs> yeah. in Michigan. Yeah. It was Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, really? It's like the second house I ever wholesaled. Yeah. Wasn't 100% confident in the process yet, or even if it was like legit, like yeah. I just doing it. Yeah. And he calls me and he's like, he had my name. He knew everything about me. I'm like, yeah. freaked the crap out of me, right? Yeah. And I was like, you know, and this is back in the day. This is like 2011, 2012. And wholesaling wasn't a really popular thing at the time. Yeah. You got a lot of hate calls, right? Mm -hmm. From realtors and things like much more than we do today. It wasn't accepted. Yeah. And so like, I was pretty freaked out, but man, it almost drove me to like, I don't want to do this. Because honestly, because I didn't have a passion for wholesaling. Yep. I want to make money. Exactly. Right. And all that to say is wholesaling wasn't my thing. Wholesaling was the thing to get me to my thing. Got it. Okay. Right? Yeah. My purpose was much greater than making money. Yeah. My purpose was much greater than just fixing and flipping a house. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have a desire to rejuvenate a community and give it back. That's yeah. not my purpose. Mm -hmm. And that might be somebody who's on this call. It's yeah. rehab a whole community. Yeah. I have a friend of mine who wants to flip the city of Gary. Okay. Like, that's his purpose. Mm -hmm. Great. Go chase that. Mm -hmm. But for me, mine's about helping people. Got it. Right? I rise by lifting others. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. Right? And if I do that, I call that a good work. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to do a good work that supports God's work. And that's my purpose. Yeah. Right. And so at the end of the day, that's why I get out of bed in the morning. It has nothing to do with consulting. It has nothing to do with wholesaling the house. Yeah. And I'll ask the question, mm -hmm. did I lift someone else? Did I do it through a good work? And then was able to get back to God's work through that process. And if I did that, I fulfilled purpose. You, feel, you ask yourself that every day? I ask myself with everything we do, every product we start. Does this lift someone? Mm -hmm. Does this, is this a good work? Is it ethical work? Mm -hmm. And number last is, can we give back to God's work? Okay. Do you see wholesaling as ethical work? I double close. 
So you're going to ask me a question that's going to piss a lot of people off. So let's piss them off. No. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. So will I coach you? Sure. <laughs> Do I think it is? Nope. No? Okay, yeah. So the process for me, right? I, I, I would rather double close on I've never cited the deal in my life. That's why I always... Uh... Always, and I can honestly tell you, I have never assigned a deal in my life. I, I've always double closed. I have for sure, not a lot, but. Um, well, we just pissed like half your audience off. By the way, I don't give a shit, <laughs> <laughs> bro. I talk to wholesalers all the time that are like, I don't like wholesaling, and I'm like, I know, right? But you got to do it. Right. I don't even. And and like when I first started, I liked it. Yeah. But after I've done more than 300 deals, not 300 a year, but 300. Yeah. And after a while, you're like, I get it. Yeah. Like I get. The floors, the paint, yeah. the wholesaler, the yeah. negotiating, the EMD, the closing, the title. Like, I get it. Like, I, yeah. it's, it's a process. Yeah, it's a process. I, I remember, like, towards the end of 2021 with the flips, my my team would ask me, like, hey, uh, do, what what do you think we should do with the vanity? I was like, I, I don't care. Yeah. Like, I just don't even care. Yeah. Like, whatever you want to do. Yeah do it because i just got to that point where i was just like i don't care anymore like for some reason i i couldn't muster the the care so but yeah we should at some point brian do a whole title on a podcast called piss you off podcast right because there's a lot of things that i feel that are unethical maybe not illegal yeah but unethical yeah one of the ways one recently man is guys want to get into like coaching yes and I'm okay with people that want to coach, but coach can coach from experience. Yes, 100%. And I'm like, no, quit calling yourself a coach. You're a teacher. You're teaching concepts and things you've learned, uh-huh. which you could do it at 15 years old. Yes. If you have enough knowledge that you can teach it. Yeah. Coaching is when you take the experience of getting results uh-huh. over a period of time yeah. and directing somebody in a different path. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So there are multiple ways to affect and help people. You can facilitate, guide them. You can teach them, yeah, or you can coach them, yeah. But you still have to, just like we said earlier, you have to earn the right, yeah, to coach it, hundred percent, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that's a wisdom thing in like age. No. I'm talking like it's a wisdom thing in results, hundred percent. Like if you crush it, Ryan is young, yes. Well, Ryan has the ability to coach people right now because he's shown that he can drive the results. Yes. You're an example of that. Yeah. Right. You've driven results. Yeah. In real estate. Yes. You have the ability at this point to coach. Mm-hmm. on how you drove results yep right yep now if you jump into another some topic that yeah. you are passionate about yeah but you don't have the results to prove that it works you can I teach your concepts yep whereas you're going to struggle with the coaching exactly does that make sense yep so like i mean i think at the end of the day it's really important that we understand like what's ethical and what's not ethical um and there's tools and there's processes there are things that we can do in this world for sure that make us money mm-hmm. Well, you got to go to bed every night. You got to look at yourself in the mirror every morning. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, like you got to differentiate just because it's legal doesn't mean it's always ethical. 100%. And I'm not saying that people should stop wholesaling. I'm saying that the way they go about it sometimes isn't right. Yeah. And I think I'm the same way. And even like when the market shifted, I remember we had an event and um, on stage, I was like, I would not be flipping houses right now. <laughs> and we're up. We're flippers, yeah. and I saw the interest rates rise, and I was like, honestly, guys, if you're looking at a 50-50 deal, like 50%, you might make money, 50%, you're going to lose money, Yeah, just don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Slow down, buy less flips, only do home runs, and we're in a conference, we're supposed to be hyping people up, and people were scared, Yeah, 
And I'm fine with that because there was other people that didn't listen yeah. and they got bankrupt. Yeah. Bankrupted themselves. Like yeah. literally, especially the inexperienced people that are, I don't even call it investing. They were gambling. Yeah. I, dude, I would take calls every single day. Like Brian, I have 14 flips, nothing selling. I'm my hard money loan every month is 50 K. I have 25 K in the bank. What do I do? Yeah. It's like, fuck dude. I'm sorry. I don't yeah. know. There's literally nothing to do. Like, I don't even think you should go raise more money because a lot of them, that's what they go do. They, that's another super unethical thing I don't agree with, but they're like, oh, I think I'm going to go raise more money. I'm like, honestly, yeah, I don't even think that's yeah, right. How, how do you look at that investor in the eyes and be like, hey, I can secure your funds properly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. Yeah. yeah we honestly should just do a whole podcast on pissing me off podcast. <laughs> I think it would be a great podcast. Yeah. You could probably get a lot of views actually. Yeah. So, all right. So we went over leadership fulfillment. Yeah. I guess let's go over a hiring process. Yeah. Cause that's where most people struggle. You know what? This is how they hire. They're like, all right, I need to hire a salesperson. Who's here? My sister. Hey sister, you want to be my salesperson yeah. or like, Hey, uh, my barber. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, who's, who's near? Oh, you buddy. You ever done sales? Can you run a camera and also? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that is another thing that freaking drives me nuts. When I see business owners that they need to hire someone and, and, and instead of hiring someone, they just give that job to someone that's already there. They have an, an admin that does sales, that they, they have a camera guy that also does marketing and et cetera, et cetera. That drives me nuts. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, people want out of their business. So, if, you know, here, here's what drives it. They don't have a passion for what they do. Yeah. So it almost detests them to have to do it every single day. Yeah. So they try to get other people involved with ma- as fast as possible. Yeah. And they get the wrong people around them. We talked about a little bit yesterday with Ryan's MVP group and right people, right seats is such a cliche statement. Yeah. But done the wrong way can damage your business. Okay. Right. So like not hiring the right people, first of all, just because they're family doesn't mean they're the right people. Yep. You know, I said the same yesterday. We're in California right now. If we were all you know, everybody in this room jumped up and went and got in a car and decided to drive to Florida. Yeah. Like, would we all enjoy ourselves? No. Well, I don't, yeah. I mean, first of all, I don't know yet, but yeah. as I got to know some people in this room, I'd be like, yeah, probably not. Yeah. Like, I don't really want to be in the car with you for that long of a drive. And we're not willing to be in the car with them for that long of a drive. Why would we invite them into our business? Okay. Right. Like one of my very first evaluations, totally unscientific, by the way. Yeah. Is would I drive in the car with you for five days? Okay. Well, that's the first question. <laughs> like, I know it's unscientific. Really? But at the end of the day, I got to feel good about it. But what if they are a master of the skill that you need? Let's say, let's say you need a, you need someone to build you a website. Yeah. Guy comes in. He's like, Hey, I built these websites, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But he's just weird. So is he the only guy in the world who can build websites? No. But he's the but wrong he fits, guy for but me. He, okay. But let's say you <laughs> interview five people yeah and you're like man i know the first guy could do it yeah he's weird he has a uh tick or something yeah you would still keep i keep looking because really yeah because here's why that's right seat yeah you're talking we're talking about right people still there's right people and then there's right seat those are two separate things right people align with my values okay. the right people align with my purpose where i want to go in life right people align with my goals what i want to accomplish in life uh-huh right and then last, I need to make sure those right people could drive in the car for five hours. Have the desire to want to work with me. 
Got it. I not only do they align with me, but to some degree, I've got to align with them for them to be the right people. Yeah. You know, culture is is something that is elusive in a lot of companies because we don't align with values, or that's all we hire for. We don't align with purpose. You know, Brian, if you and I decided to work together, I said, Brian, my purpose is to do a good work that supports God's work. Okay. And you, I said, hey, do you believe in that? Yeah. And you're like, no. Then we shouldn't work together. But here's a bigger question. Yeah. Brian, what's your purpose? Yeah. You want to help others, right? Yeah. If I said, Brian, you want to help others, my purpose is to do a good work for God's work. Can you see how your purpose would be fulfilled working with me? Yeah. And if the answer to that is still no, then you yeah. still shouldn't work with me. If you A, don't believe in my purpose or you don't believe how my purpose can help you achieve yours, then we shouldn't yoke up. Yeah. So values have to lie. Purpose has to lie. And then if I turn to you and like, hey, I want to dominate the world. Yeah. And you're like, bro, not really interested in dominating the world. America sounds good to me. Yeah. I'm like, well, our goals don't lie. Okay. Then you're not the right person for me. Really? Okay. That is a culture. That's how we create culture. Right. Now jump to the other side, right position. Yeah. Do you have the drive? That creates the behavior that I need for the job. Yeah. That's where we use PI. We measure that. Yeah. Right? The drive. That's the mind part of it. Yeah. The next thing is, do you have the heart for it? Mm -hmm. Do you have desire for it? Yeah. Do you have a passion for this type of business? Yeah. Does it spot, you know, really yoke you up and get you excited to want to go buy a solid house? Mm -hmm. Third, for me, is do you have experience? Okay. Do you have a resume? Yeah. Right? If you have the resume, you have the desire and you have the right mind for it, you have the right cognitive and the right behavioral traits to do it, you're in the right position. Got it. Now, what I don't want, I absolutely don't want, you were asking me this question, mm. is I don't want someone I don't trust, I call that low trust, yeah. high performance. Low trust, high performance. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't want somebody that doesn't align with my purpose, my values, and my goals that I won't trust, uh -huh. but produces a high level result. Mm -hmm. That's a low trust, high performing people. Got it. I also don't want high trust, low performing people. Okay. I don't want my sister coming to work for me who is wonderful, by the way. I love her to death. Yeah. Has no experience, doesn't desire what I do, and honestly doesn't have the behavioral traits to do what we do. Got it. Because then I would put her in the wrong seat. Yeah. Right? And I wouldn't get the performance I need. Yeah. What I do want, high trust, high performance. High trust, high performance. That's what I want. I need a yeah. combination of the two. Yeah. So you asked me the question, what if they make you a million dollars and they destroy your culture? You're going to, it's going to suck to come to work every day. Oh yeah. hundred percent. It's also going to suck to come to work every day when you walk in and it feels like a big party at the office and nobody's delivering money or getting results. Yeah. That sucks too. Right? So that's the difference between trust and performance, right people, right seat. Yeah. So I need both. And so when I'm interviewing, I'm asking questions around trust. I start out every interview with making sure that I'm hiring you for the right, right position. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to turn to you and Brian and go... Let's do a PI on you, Brian. So yeah. you're a Maverick. I'm hiring for sales. That's typically a great profile, right behavioral traits for sales. Okay. Next thing is, do you desire it? Do you want to go on appointments? Do you want to buy and sell houses? Yeah. What if I'm like, yeah, yeah. but hold on. But what if I'm saying, yeah, in the interview process and you're like, is this person saying, yeah, because they want the job or are they saying, yeah, because they actually want to do what the job is going to take? Well, a lot of times when the PI, the behavioral traits match up to what's necessary for that job. That's an indicator to me, along with the yes, mm -hmm. that they will actually succeed and be happy at that position. Okay. All right. If I looked at your profile and you were a guardian. Yeah. Right? Was it typically a finance type profile? Somebody that frosties and not size are they all, doesn't like risk. Yeah. And I say to you, do you desire to want to go on a wholesale house? And you're like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I'm like, no. No, because your behavioral traits don't match up to what's necessary to do that job. And you're going to love it.
Got it. You're just telling me that because you want the job. Yes. So these two start to come together to help formulate that opinion. Okay. The last thing is I look at the resume. Mm. What experiences they have? What results have we gotten from that experience? Mm. The whole person shows up to work. Yeah. Right? Literally the whole person mm -hmm. shows up. So it's really important that we look at all three of those things before I put you in the position. Got it. So I do that in interview one. Mm -hmm. Second interview is about you being the right person. Mm -hmm. Not just in the right seat, but the right person. First interview, right seat. Second interview, right person. So now I'm asking questions around values. I'm asking your purpose. I'm asking you to believe in my purpose. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at your goals. Where you want to be in the next one to three years? That's why we ask those questions. And if you look back at the, the uh, format of our interview process, they're looking at those two things to drive right people, right seat. Right. And so first interview, I might put you in the right position. Second interview, are you the right person for my company, my mm -hmm. culture? Third interview, is this going to be a right fit for pay? Mm -hmm. And in that third interview, I'm driving home two things, financial paycheck and emotional paycheck. 67% of the people that quit their job in the last two years cited the emotional paycheck more important than financial. Okay. We have a world filled of millennial workers right now. 52% of the workforce right now is millennial. Mm -hmm. They want the emotional paycheck. Okay. They want to make sure that their purpose is fulfilled by being here. Yeah. They want to make sure that the culture is the right culture for them. They want to make sure that the benefits in that organization are going to help them succeed in life. Mm -hmm. And so in that third interview, I'm selling them on why we're a good fit. Because now I already know they're a good fit. Mm -hmm. So the third interview is me selling them on us. Got it. Make sense? Yeah. That's my three-step interview process. Mm -hmm. Bringing in the right talent. Okay. I typically don't turn a lot of people over. Yeah. I also don't have to do a lot of really hard marketing for new employees. I think in the last five years, we've done one ad yeah. for an opening. Mm. It's because we had an influx of growth so fast that we couldn't get enough people to, to apply fast enough. We needed like 20 applicants. Because I have found that if you create the right culture, right people, right seats, your company will have employees that create new employees. Yeah. You can measure the health of your culture very easily. Do your employees create new employees? Okay. You're going to measure the health of your, your business product pretty easily, too. Mm -hmm. Does your customers create new customers? Yeah. If your customers are referring you and creating new customers, referring other buyers to buy from you, yeah. they're even referring other people in a desperate situation to sell a house to you. Yeah. Then you have a great product. Got it. Yeah. Right? If your employees are going out going, you ought to come work for Brian. Yeah. Brian's a great leader. Brian has great culture. Brian is driving me to my goals. He's helping me reach my potential then you're a great leader. Yeah. Therefore, you have a great culture. Yeah. Right? That's a really great way to measure both. I don't think a lot of people take the time to actually put in to hire in the right who. Yeah. They wing it. 100%. Yeah. I've learned that. I've learned that also. And I've, I've, I've been guilty of that. But now I'm better at hiring. Now I'm way better. But yeah, at first I was just like whoever wanted to roll. Almost like a uh, heartbeat's up. Let's hire him. Yeah. Right? They look at that and yeah. they're like, you're warm. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, or they're just being nice. They're scared yeah. to say no. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're being nice. Yeah. You're scared to say no. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's the other way around. And a lot of times it's like, we're scared to tell somebody we don't want to hire them. Exactly. What I always figure it out. What about, okay, so I know a lot of people who also struggle with firing. Mm -hmm. They know they need to let someone go. Well, okay, so there's there's two sides to this. Sometimes I think that they they just need to fire that person. Yeah. And then there's the other time where they're not doing a good job of leading that person. Yeah. And I've honestly been guilty of both. Yeah. Where I remember with one of our managers, um, I was, I, it was a, a sales manager. Yeah. 
I was like, hey, man, like, why aren't you listening to the calls of the sales team? And he was like, oh, stumbling around or whatever. And it, it just made me mad. I was like, dude, you need to listen to the damn calls. So then that happened. And then a week later, I was like, hey, why do you have them filling out this sheet that's like 20 questions long? Like, they don't want to, like, fill out the sheet. They don't they don't like it. It's It's taking up a lot of time. And then that was a problem. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to fire this guy. And someone asked me, um, did you ever tell this guy to do uh, call recordings? And I was like, no, but he's been a sales manager before. He should have known. And they're like, well, do you think that's fair that you're going to fire him even though you never told him to do that task? And I was like, fine, that's that's fair. Yeah. But what what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> oh, man, well, unpack that. So first of all, I think we fire a lot of people wrongly because we don't measure the process or manage the process and the process fails performance seven or eight times. Mm-hmm. Not people. People don't fail. One, only one out of eight times do people fail because of them. Yeah. They actually fail seven or eight times. And I can give you a list of what those are of process. Process causes failure way more often yeah. than people do, right? Yeah. And because we don't lead the process, we just lead the people. We never see the mistakes in the process or fix it. Yeah. And then we'll fire Joe, hire somebody else to come in. And when John comes in, we see the problem in the process. We train him on it. Yeah. And we fix it. And all of a sudden, John's great. Yeah. We could have salvaged Joe just fixing the process, first yes. of all. Yeah. Second of all, um, a lot of times we, you know, we as leaders expect and we set a certain level of expectations for our employees without actually communicating that expectation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's our job as leaders to make sure that we communicate properly. Yeah. You know, my dad was in the military 21 years and he used to say that I could, you know, our goal when we go into battle is to eliminate the lines of communication for our enemy. Uh-huh. Why? Because if you take out the lines of communication, battle's over. Yeah. Right. And so it's really important to understand that communication is the number one killer of every successful business. We all communicate properly. 100%. Success, it's the killer of performance. It's the killer of process when we yeah. don't communicate it. Yeah. So as leaders, we have to communicate. Yeah. All that to say is there are times you're going to fail as a leader. 100%. And there are times your employees are going to fail you. Yeah. The truth is over time frame, like if a new employee comes to work for me, within 90 days, I'm going to assess whether or not I have failed them or they have failed me. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really matter if it's one or the other. I have to move on. Oh. Because either one, I failed them. Yeah. Or they have failed me. Yeah. So even if you failed them, you'll still let them go. Because it's better for them to go build trust with somebody else at that point. Oh, okay. I have failed you. I have not led you properly. You don't trust me as a leader now. Yeah. It's in your best interest. Yeah. Not mine. Uh Because I could fix it for me. Yeah. Your best interest to move on. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so I assess that every 90 days with new employees because I'm looking for a couple things. I, when I hire someone, I put them, in, I put a quadrant together. I said, this is things I want you to do and never tell me about. These are things that I want you to do. Then tell me how, tell me how you did it. And last is don't do these until we talk. Yeah. If 90% of what I've hired you to do isn't in the first column, do it and don't tell me about at the end of the 90 days, either I have failed you or you have failed me. Got it. Okay. Right? I want the results from that 90%. Yeah. And I may have failed you. I may have not set the expectations properly. Yeah. I may have not asked you to call record. I may have done these things that yeah. I didn't, shouldn't have done. But at that point, it's probably in your best interest to move on. Got it. And there's got to be a reason why I didn't do that a lot of times. Yeah. And drove that, right? Yeah. And so I just want to hit a reset button at that point and get a fresh start for you and me. Yeah. So what is the best, what is, 
what is the roll call of someone that is building out these processes? Is that what the COO is supposed to do or is that somebody else? No. We have a process ownership box chart okay. in our curriculum. In that process ownership, we talk about the, the innovator. The innovator is a visionary of the company. Okay. Their job is to innovate and create the process from the beginning. Which is a whole, a whole process for your company. Yeah. Who's, who's but for every single thing. So for your core processes in your business, uh huh. who's did it when the company started? Okay. You innovated, you created it in the yeah. beginning. That's, yeah. Yeah. You're acting like yeah. one, 10 years down the road. No, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about the beginning of the yeah. process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You created it. Yeah. So your job is to innovate or create it. Uh huh. Then the manager's job is to manage it and make sure it gets documented and, and, Man and managed every single day. Got it. Okay. It's the employee's job. To help you document the process. Got it. The okay. one that they sit in every single yeah. day, right? Yeah. That's a process owner. Yeah. There's a KPI that goes with that. Every employee in your organization should have a key process indicator that they measure and monitor every single day. Yeah. And the manager should look at that process indicator every single day. So just a manager. What? Yeah, it's the person who is supposed to be who is supposed to be documenting all these processes. So the manager and the employee work in tandem to create it. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the person who owns the process that documents the process is the employee. Got it. Okay. But what profile is a good manager? If I'm trying to, if I'm, tr if I'm looking for someone to come in and from the, the most, the least important process to the most important process, come in, document it, create KPIs. You're talking about, you're talking about a business year leader. You're talking about like an integrator or CEO of a, of a company, right? Okay. That person that's leading yeah. that. What's the best? Profile. profile. First of all, it comes. It depends on the niche of that you, that company. Yeah. Let's say real estate education. Just so real estate really, really, real estate <laughs> education is going to come up through through your sales and marketing uh -huh. or your operations uh, realm. So uh -huh. typically, that person has a higher A profile. Someone who's more agnostic, likes to solve problems, and can do so agnostically. Okay. Okay. That person's usually a higher B profile that wants more of a need for social interaction. Really? Yeah, because they want to be around. They want to be around people to lead them. But by but <laughs> but I I would think that if they're building processes, they wouldn't want to talk to people. Well, no, they want to make sure the people are following the process. You're talking about the leader of all these different people, not just. Yeah. There's not just one position in a company that uh -huh. their sole job is to document processes. Uh, it's a component of that job. God, right? Okay. It's just like you say. Well, what is the ideal profile? Of somebody that does an appointment. Yeah. But they're doing appointments, they're writing contracts, you know, they're making yeah. offers. There's yeah. there's multiple things yeah. that, that person is responsible for. Yeah. So an ideal profile of somebody who's leading and managing a process is the same person who's leading and managing people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you have to have some level of a higher B profile to be able to want to be around people. Yeah. The C is usually a little lower. It's mm -hmm. usually a little bit more driven. Once you get things done quickly, the D usually hooks back to some level of structure. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's usually like captain. Sometimes a strategist, depending on where the B falls, uh, depends on how many people they're leading again. Yeah. If you're a small organization, you have no people, then it's just a high A, high D profile. It could be a low B. Yeah. Right? Because they're not, a, they're not managing monitoring people. Yeah. Right? If it's an integrator or a manager of an IT company, yeah. that's not a lot of people that they're interacting with. It's yeah. just purely process. Probably looking for a strategist in that. Somebody that's high A, high D, lower, lower B. So again, when you ask that question, what's universally the best profile? Yeah. Well, there's like 18 different thousand different ways to look at that, uh, right? So yeah. that's where coaching comes in, right? Yeah. I have to look at your business and say, all right, based on your business, and here's another component that has to come in. What's your profile as a leader? Yeah. Because I don't want to hire somebody who's just like you. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So yeah. like- We I, made that mistake also. Yeah. We would always hire salespeople 
And I made this joke on one of the other podcasts. I was like, at some point, we need to hire someone that knows how to use a CRM. Yeah. Because all of us are freaking yeah. not that guy. Well, it, I think that's a mistake. I see a lot, actually, in real estate is you get a bunch of maverick type profiles that don't like processes, don't like CRMs. Yeah. And it's like, well, we're going to force them to do this. And yeah. I don't understand why most companies, my recommendation is hire a sales admin. Yeah. Yeah. Like go find yourself a sales admin. That's a guardian. Uh-huh. High C likes process. High D likes to do it right. Mm-hmm. They're not agnostic. They're absolute opposite profile of a maverick. Yeah. And take all that mundane uh-huh. um, administrative stuff off of yourself, people play and quit soaking up their time with non-revenue producing activity. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's non-revenue. Yeah. We look at a process and we look at it. Does it bring value to our customer? Is it essential to our business? And if it's not essential or it doesn't bring value to our customer, then the salespeople, your core players, shouldn't be doing that process. Okay. Right? Think about yeah. it. If it doesn't bring value to your customer, it's not generating revenue. Yeah. A CRM is only in a process is only essential to your business. It doesn't bring value to the customer at all. Exactly. So why are you having your MVP do that process? Yeah. Anything that's not high value and high essential, your MVP should not touch. Got it. Right? All right. And if it's low value, high essential, then you get an administrative resource to do it or you get a VA to do it. Yeah. But the use of the CRM is valuable because we've got to track KPIs. No, value being, does it bring value to your customer? It's essential. Yeah. Essential is in its own right valuable to your company. Yeah. When I say it's essential, it means that your company has to have it. Yeah. You have to track KPIs. You have to, your company has that. Your company could care less what you you track or your customer could care less whether or not you track it. 100%. 100%. So in a process, measure it that way. Does it bring value? And is it essential? Yeah. Then you want to take high trust people yeah. and high performing people and put those in high value, high essential process. Got it. Yeah. That makes so, a lot of sense. Okay. So last thing we want to talk about. Sure. Uh, so wealthy business. Yeah. So we're launching a program with you called Wealthy Business. Um, we're going to be teaching all types of business people, yep. you know, well, actually, you you explain what is what are what are people going to learn at Wealthy Business? Wealthy Business, we're going to teach you how to go through the journey to business success. Okay, okay. How do we get to our hundred percent? It's a thirteen week teaching course mm-hmm. on a business operating system curriculum that we use with Ryan yeah. as Ryan's business coach to help him over the last three years. Yeah, right. So we're giving you the blueprint to that yep. over a thirteen week period. Mm-hmm. It's a one to many, so it's a teaching course. Yeah, that teaches you these practical fundamental ways in which to run and manage your company and, and how to hire a lot of which what we talked about today is in the curriculum right yep. um we didn't touch on it at all because it's it's 13 weeks yeah it's a lot uh, it's a lot <laughs> and so we have a dedicated coach uh uh-huh. that's going to get on and teach you these practical tools and resources that we've used and implemented with ryan over these past three years to help launch his kingdom that he has here 100 you know and i think uh i think everybody uh ought to know those things it's bitch um it's uh, business agnostic, uh-huh. right? And so uh, it doesn't matter what niche you're in. Yep. All that matters is how you run it. And so I think one of the things we hear a lot from this system is that people take it and they start multiple different types of businesses with it because it, it brings that value. Yeah. And so over 13 weeks, it's two hours a week, two mm-hmm. different sessions. So one hour per session, mm-hmm. 13 weeks, and you're going to learn that business operating system to reaching your 100% in business. Love it. All right, Gary, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you guys. This was the Wealthy Investor Podcast. Peace.